The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Hey everybody, happy Friday. Welcome to The Week That Was here on Deadline Detroit. I'm Craig Folly, and as always for this segment, Alan Lengel is here and Nancy Derringer. Thank you very much for joining me this week as we sort of go back uh, through some of the big stories on Deadline this week uh, that people found at DeadlineDetroit.com. Um, and I think the one thing that everybody's sort of paying attention to and that we should start with, because it does have implications for just about everybody in Michigan, yes. uh, with the exception of those of us who aren't driving at the moment, Car insurance reform. Oh, sure. The state legislature, they were having studies. There were group studies that were going on. They were bringing in all these experts to talk about what reform could be necessary. Mm -hmm. Then the Republicans just decided, what the heck, let's plow ahead. The Senate passes it in one day. The House takes it up the same day without any committee hearings and passes their own version at 2 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday of this week. Reason enough to be suspicious of this. I, I, you know, I'm looking at the two packages, though, and as somebody who's been looking at auto insurance reform arguments for 20 years now. <laughs> okay. And it's the same sticking points we've seen for a long, long time. You know, some of the reforms they're talking about are going to be part of some sort of compromise that comes out of this at the end. So sure. they're about halfway where they need to be. Uh, but Governor Whitmer is suggesting that she is going to veto this if it's not exactly what she wants to see. Uh, there aren't the votes to override her at this point, I don't think, and, and certainly not in both houses. So what's going to happen here? Are we just basically going to see the same partisan battles, or are we actually going to see some sort of meaningful reform come out of this? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm just very suspicious as to why this legislature suddenly decided that they could take on this enormous issue that is very complicated with many moving parts and fix it in a day. I'm sorry. Yeah. you know, it, it, I, just, it just makes me – I just – well, yeah. th- it's not as yeah. Big... I mean, it's. I mean, I mean been it's, it's, it's it been languishing for, for this issue has been around for a long time. Um, I mean, the issue is like, can we get enough coverage and still pay a reasonable rate? And can we be guaranteed if we're slashing benefits that we pay less? And I, and I think that was one of the the concerns about Democrats was that here we're going to slash all these uh, you know health benefits in in the package and the auto insurance. Uh, is not guaranteeing that it's going to be cheaper rate. And, and right. how insane is that? Well, it's one of the things I pointed out in the podcast this week. I mean, it, it's a fundamental difference whether or not you believe the market will regulate itself. Because yeah. you look at other states that have a different system than Michigan does. Michigan is the only state with unlimited benefits, medical benefits. Right. I think the next state is New Jersey, which has a cap of about a half a million dollars for everybody. And then your health insurance takes over. Right. Their rates are a lot different. Um, but most states aren't even close to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, this is a neat thing here in Michigan, but if you look at the rates in the other states that have made these changes, they are a lot more reasonable. Right. Um, so I guess it's it's a, a leap of faith to think that these companies will just do this out of the goodness of their heart. Right. I, I think it Call needs to be regulated. Cynical. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I'm, I'm willing to trust the insurance industry we, to do the right thing. We have an, an insurance agency in, 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 in Lansing. I mean, it needs to be regulated. I mean, people need to be guaranteed. I mean, the rates of living as, as a resident of Detroit, when I was living near the stadium, my rate went up from 3800 to 4800 for no reason. Nothing had happened. They told me they took away the discount for me. And I changed insurance companies. I also moved to Midtown, and I'm paying far l- less than half 
of that right right now, which is just I was doing handstands when when I was able to so do that. So you took advantage of the zip code, yeah. But but <laughs> it's not but it's not unusual. I I remember in even in in Midtown, I accidentally I, I opened up uh, an insurance statement. I thought it was mine. It was from the person who lived there before, and it was over five thousand dollars. Yeah, and it's like it's insane when you when your insurance rate is higher than your car note. Right. Well, and and yeah, and it's also insane that somebody in the suburbs who's been convicted of of driving, you know, under the influence, gets a ticket, pays less in insurance than a single mom in Detroit with a good driving record. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, these are things that we see happening as well. They, yeah. And so the Democrats are looking to eliminate gender from the equation, zip code. And credit score. Credit the credit score. score one is is something that I think people in the city of Detroit rightfully are, are ticked off about because they say, look, I've never gotten a ticket. Mm-hmm. I'm a good driver. Yeah, I defaulted on a credit card when I was 22 years old and right. my credit score stinks or I, I lost my house to foreclosure, but I'm still a good driver. Well, and if you default on your – if you if you're, the check for your uh, insurance premium bounces, they just cancel your insurance. Yes. It's not like you have an unsecured like – you, like you already bought a bunch of stuff and, you know, that's – Yeah, there's no repo that has to happen Exactly. Here. I mean, that's, that when, makes no sense at all. When, when, I, when my rate went up to $4,800, I called the insurance with State Farm. And I'd been with them a long time, and they, I felt they were screwing me. And, and I said, well, what's the issue here? What, what, what are the reasons? And they said, well, I, I said, is it car theft? Is it that we have so many uninsured motorists? And she said, well, both. And I said, well, what about the person who lives in Royal Oak, works downtown, who's exposed to all those same, same motorists, who parks downtown, who's you know exposed to that same issue of car theft? And it's, it's really – crazy if you live in the city of you detroit know. and you have so many people who are who are living in the city of detroit who are using relatives to uh use their addresses instead of you know claiming well, a, a legal address i mean how many people can't vote in the city of detroit because they're registered somewhere else because of the car insurance issue right and, and you know i talked to an insurance uh, uh adjuster person that i know about this very thing and he was talking about the algorithms that they utilize and it's not based on driving record. It's not based on likelihood of theft. It is based on the their algorithm on what your likelihood is of mm-hmm. filing a claim or a lawsuit if you were to get into an accident. And mm-hmm. it goes up dramatically in the city limits, mostly sure. because there are a number of people that don't have adequate health care coverage to cover this stuff. So everything that they do then goes oh. on their auto insurance due to that accident. Right. So the likelihood that you will file a claim for medical benefits is higher in the city of Detroit, according to this guy. Okay. And I've heard these things. It's it's all about the pit. Right, sure. I mean, this is, this is a big part of it. And there's a reason that there are, you know, 800 car hit you billboards everywhere right. and stuff sure. like that. Um, and so, Which are great billboards. Well, and so, so the insurance companies are likely going to freak out if you try to take some of these factors out of their algorithm-making process. But at the same time, they don't have as much of a reason to use them if there's a cap on those benefits. True. So, you know, for all the howling that you're hearing coming from the insurance industry on this one, I, I hope they'd, they'd recognize that that's something that would be addressed if indeed the cap was put on. They should just quietly take what they're getting right now and uh, and slink back into their holes. Just a thought. <laughs> All right. Well, now, so we actually That's a, where the insurance industry lives. In we, 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 have, we have a question from Christian who says, you know, what mechanism do other states use to control, quote unquote, excessive profits by insurance companies? Every state has, has a regulator mm-hmm. for the insurance markets. It's not something that is only in Michigan. They're supposed right. to actually, it's sure. a consumer advocacy sort of function that they play, making sure that things are not... Um, that they are not tilted in favor of the insurance companies or consumers, frankly. I mean, you see both parties trying to stack that board all the time right. to get the right people on there to do what they want to do. But 
there are regulators that are supposed to make sure that things aren't out of whack. Right. Okay. But anyway, so is this a situation, though, where you see the the perfect being the enemy of the good when it comes to reform? Because a couple of Detroit legislators crossed over saying, hey, I got to deliver something for my constituents. Sure. If we only get partial, that's better than nothing. Yeah, it could turn out that way. Um I don't know. I really would love to see. I'm paying insurance on three cars in our family, and I would love to see some significant relief arriving very soon. Um, I'm a little wary of telling people that they can opt out of certain medical coverage because nobody thinks they're going to get hurt in an accident until it actually happens. You know, that was what Brooks Patterson has been beating the drum about for so long. You know, after his near fatal accident, which left his driver, I believe, a quadriplegic and severely injured him. So, I mean, I personally think that we could see a situation where you keep the catastrophic claims right. association in place, right, for those cases where somebody is going to need a lifetime of care. Right. Everybody else, for most accident victims, that $500,000 cap will cover the vast majority of their costs, if not all of them, or it switches over to their health insurance after some point. Because if they have health insurance. Yeah, if they well, have. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's right. obviously something we need to address in this country as well. Right. Uh, but it seems that if that was still in place for those people that need like a lifetime of, of therapy and, and oftentimes, you know, serious, serious therapy that they're going to be dealing with for the rest of their life, those cases would still be covered. And mm-hmm. if that's $200 charge per motorist on top of whatever, but you get rate relief on the other end, it seems like that could be a way to, to sort of it's make a compromise. not a bad idea. We um, – um, and then it would be a case by case basis decision that had be ma- would sure. have to be made, but you could put together a medical board that could figure that out pretty quick. Cars are are safer than ever too, and fewer and fewer people are suffering these kinds of catastrophic, um, life changing injuries. Although you know, if you're on a bicycle and you get hit by somebody on a car, you're kind of out of luck. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's speaking not as a cyclist good. here. Yes. So well, anyway. you know, hey, look, for as much as people complain about the bike lanes in the city of Detroit, they are mm-hmm. way better. Than driving in the middle of, of one of those lanes because, oh, God, you know, yes. uh, yeah. it, it does keep a lot of people out of there. So yeah. that's that's a, a pretty big deal. All right. Let's move on to another subject. Um, I actually think something is going to get done on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the auto insurance is important because if you're going to sell people on a gas tax increase, you got to give them something on the other side. Right. I think right. this is part of the, the yeah. grand bargain that's going to happen. And really, I mean, nowhere is it more pronounced than in the city of Detroit. Yeah. I mean, people sometimes make a decision whether to live in the city based on whether they can afford the car insurance. And that's, I don't think you're seeing that in any other community in, in, in Michigan except in Detroit. Right. Uh, the Illiches are back in the news uh, again this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, uh, I don't think they're ever really going to be out of the news until they actually build <laughs> the district and start building some housing over there. I think people are going to they're going to keep their the pedal to the metal on on this family and, and their business their interests. PR better. Well, you know, it's well, interesting. Yeah. I, I spoke to somebody, a business person in the district in that area yesterday, and they're like, they're they're making they're doing well on business when there's events, mm-hmm. but said they're waiting for the rest of the area to develop. Yeah, they need the and, neighborhood and traffic. They can't, and guess what? People who are in parking lots, they take off. They don't right. stick around for, you know. I mean, that area, it's, it's, it's just shameful what's, what's really happened. I mean, that, that area should have been developed years ago, well, even before the stadium was there. Just look across the street, right across Woodward, that whole section that's being built there. And, I, and lived, it, I lived right there on Winder Street. Uh, yeah, and, and, and that... Area has been developed for a while. And well, and there's more coming all the time. That whole section of Brush right. Park is really is really starting to boom. It's, it's directly across the street. Right. And you know, if anybody's arguing right now that there's not a market for this kind of stuff here, you know, I've talked to a number of people involved in economic development here in the city, and they say, 
look, just look across the street. There are investors. There are people that are not necessarily ready to fund everything, but there are people to partner with that want to build this, that they could move forward if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the one thing that I would implore the Illich family to do. Just be upfront about what your ideas are, because at this point, it's time for you to, to fess up as to what your plans really are for the district. Yesterday, I was walking home. And I was going by City Modern and City Modern, and here it is. It says condos for sale, five hundred thousand to eight hundred and fifty thousand yep. dollars. I, I worry about how how high those prices are. It's it, we're not Chicago. Still cheaper we than don't Chicago. Have, we don't have Wall Street. We don't have. I, I just wonder at some point if it's sustainable. How, how it's, yeah, if yeah. it's going to be sustainable or not. I mean, what, it, even without a downturn in the market, like where where's the balance going to be? Where we're building like eight hundred fifty thousand dollars to to live in the city, and the amenities are still lacking. It's not like Chicago, you know. There are still you live if you, you live it, on Selden. You live on Selden Street. I mean, you walk around and what are the amenities you've got? Honest John, Selden Standard, and and. Uh, What's the, uh, the new she wolf? She wolf is right there. But, but other than that, I mean, it's still a little bit eerie walking around, you know, at night. And between it's, Jumbo's and Honest Johns and and, and Willis, you know, <laughs> right? I could probably. I think it was about a <laughs> year ago that I was out to dinner um, with a group of younger people, and uh, one couple had recently bought a house with a pool in Gross Point Park. Because they had been priced out of Detroit, and they wow. realized they could get more. Ho- they have childless; they had no reason to choose the schools. Uh, but they said it was, you know, it just was a better deal. And I'm I sorry for that- eight eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. I don't know what you're going to get. Maybe a three bedroom condo or something, yeah, like, that something like that in in Detroit, where in the suburbs, I mean, God, West, West Bloomfield, even you Gross, get a, yes. you know, Gross Point, Bloomfield Hills. I mean, you can get quite. A very nice uh, a, house. A lot of house for yeah. that. Exactly. You, Indian, you can. Yeah. You can. But it, then again, think about this, though. Then you're cutting grass, then you're shoveling snow, all that kind of stuff. Oh, that what some a of us, Some of us are looking to get out of, right? <laughs> well, you know what? I've got a house for I sale, mean, everybody, look, by the way, if anybody wants to buy it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, well, so, well, I mean, look at these condo. You know, besides the condo, I mean, you're, you're talking about condos, 850000 And that doesn't include condo fees, which right. can be whatever, five, oh, $600 yeah, dollars yeah, they can be. a month. Because you got to yeah. pay for that health club you never use. Right. right. Sure. So, Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, but the reason that we're talking about the Illich is they had made an agreement to buy this property from a nonprofit that has been uh, helping helping homeless people. And it's sort of a throwback to the Cass Corridor days. when It's, there a, used hom- to be a, it's a homeless it's a crisis homeless. center. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shelter. Uh, the NSO, Neighborhood Service Organization. Yeah. They had made an agreement hours. to buy it. NSO was going to move over to Gratiot Mac, uh, the Gratiot Mac area. They say they're still going to do it, but the Illich has backed out of buying it. And Nolan Finley... Perhaps tongue in cheek, who really criticized the Illiches last week about you know Ooh. being not exactly open and honest about what they're doing in the district. The thrill is gone. Said man. maybe yeah. it's good. Yeah, maybe it's good that they didn't uh, follow through it, on this offer because it won't be another parking lot. Yeah, that's what he said. He goes that this this improves the chances that whoever does end up buying that space. And I think the NSO uh, was counting on one point five million as the sales price, and they were going to use that as seed money to build this new facility on uh, Mac and, and Grasha. Yeah. And he was the one who said, "Well, at least now there's a chance that that might actually that site might actually be developed." So that's kind of a talk about your backhanded compliment, <laughs> not yeah. even a compliment. So right, you know, right, but right. but you know, th- they can't get out of their own way right now, though. Now they well, and part of it is their own fault. I mean, you know, we we part ran of that it. Talk, talk to it. us, talk to us. We part ran that best way to do it. We ran that um, 
uh, we ran a short piece about uh, Denise Illich's appearance on Michigan Matters. Sure, I, you know, I watched where that it was on like, Sunday. And it was, you know, and she and they kept. I think Carol Kane asked her twice. Uh, she's like, well, they just didn't tell the whole story. And she's like, well, you, you did you make yourselves available to tell she, your story? She did say it would have been more balanced had they had, had they, they said included something. this stuff. And it's like, well, they tried to talk to you. And- the Illiches are for all the money they have, they do a terrible job with public relations. It's not that hard to get a good public relations firm or a public relations in-house person who knows what they're doing. But their idea is we don't need to talk. We don't, you know, and, very and they, imperial, and they, and, they, and they pay for it, and right. and they try to threaten uh, news organizations. Thankfully, uh, we don't receive any money from the Illiches. <laughs> We're not beholden to them, and we will never take money from the Illiches. Maybe, sponsor. maybe, the yeah, yeah, okay, a sponsorship. But no, well, I mean, yeah. and and they've used that with with you know, we know of at least one other publication in town where they where they've used that uh, that sort of threat of you. Write about us negatively, and you aren't going to get ad dollars from us, and that's not the way you do public relations. Well, you know, you, know? you, you say it's it's easy enough to find somebody to do it well, but clearly it's not that easy because they're you know finding a good media relations, public relations person is not that easy to do. We we lost a really good one this week in Bob Berg, who, of mm-hmm. course, uh, used to be a spokesperson for Bill Milliken, and then Bill Milliken recommended him to Coleman Young to take over as the spokesperson for the city of Detroit. Coleman Young, I think, had gone about three years without having somebody in that role. Bob Berg uh, was there through a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of tough stuff with Coleman yeah. Young. A couple of really big scandals. Of course, there was also the scandal involving Chief Hart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, my early days as a reporter, he was still in that position. Uh, Coleman Young was still the mayor. And he was, he was a really, really good guy to work with. He didn't always give you exactly what you wanted, but he always tried. And he always right. got the sense that he was taking your request seriously. Right. And that's really... What we can ask as reporters is that somebody is taking your request seriously and not trying to blow right. it off. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was I always felt Bob was was forthright. Whether he was a little bit buying the company. I mean, he was he was very loyal to Coleman Young. He had a job to do. And, and so sometimes, I mean, you had to take something with a little grain of salt. But I don't. I, I never felt it was like Sarah Sanders, where you know she knew she knows what she's saying isn't true. But that's what the boss wants her to say, or that's what the boss has told her to say. And I never got that sense with Bob that he was just caring, that he was just kind of blowing smoke. But he he was a very he was just a good guy to deal with. He was he was he was an honorable guy, and he was just really a nice person. Um, you mentioned Sarah Sanders, and this was not on DeadlineDetroit.com this week, but I do need to put this out there. <laughs> the Hill had the story. Sarah Sanders was talking to the press the other day. She says she hopes people remember her as being, quote, transparent and honest. Transparent and wow. honest. Yeah. That's transparent, transparent and honest. honest. And, and I said, yeah, well, I, I posted something about this on Facebook and somebody else thought I said, yeah, she's transparent and that we can see right through her BS. Right. <laughs> transparent and honest. Wow. They don't, those are not two words that will go down in her legacy. No. You know, but, you know, Bob, Bob Berg was really good at what he did. And he, of course, went on to form a, his own company. Berg Muirhead, which was right. a very successful firm here in Detroit. It's now Van Dyke Horn. Uh, but, you know, he gave me some great advice when I was over at the land bank and dealing with this stuff. And he just said, hey, remember, it's like when you're in the middle of all this stuff and there's people calling you off the hook and your phone is buzzing 24 hours a day, it's like, it's not you. Right. It's not personal. You're the gatekeeper. Don't get upset. Yes. Just know that it's not you and you'll get through it. And, and it really did help. It was at a time that, you know, 
Good. Yeah, Your I, phone was buzzing off the hook. Buzzing yeah. off the okay. hook. <laughs> and so, you know, it was, and, and he was, uh, he was very helpful in that regard. And, uh, you know, so I, I think, yeah, I, I felt think, good about knowing him. He was, he was a good man. Yeah. I think the most important thing to do when you're in that job is don't lie. I mean, you can, you can evade occasionally. I mean, it's all, it's an art. I mean, it's not, you don't have to answer every single question that's put to you, but don't put lies out there because that is, I mean, that, that's toxic. That's poison. Uh, let's move on. Um, and I should remind folks, this is the week that was on Deadline Detroit. I'm Craig Folly, Nancy Derringer back with me, Alan Langle here, of course, as well. We're talking about the stories that got a lot of traffic on Deadline this week. Uh, there was another story that we had that came out of Dearborn. And of course, Dearborn, which is home to the largest Muslim population in the United States, if I'm not mistaken. Southeast uh, Michigan. South, well, at least yeah. in Southeast Michigan, but it's pretty close in terms of mm-hmm. concentration. And well, all I, I would say uh, Middle Eastern, I, I mean, it's yeah. also yeah. 40, Christian. 40% and, of right. Dearborn is, is um, Muslim 40, now. 46, I believe. It was, yeah, yeah right. something like at that. Least. But right. you, you have a Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, which... Frankly, the fact that that's still happening in the first place is shocking to Why me. Why is it coming out in May? I thought it came out in February when everybody was feeling wintry and, you know, and it would be this beautiful layout with these tropical <laughs> locations and these wonderful women. I, I don't okay, know. Okay. All right. Don't, I'm, I'm not sorry. sure. But the, this year they actually had a swimsuit model uh, who is Muslim and mm-hmm. she was wearing a so-called burkini, as right. they call them. But it's just basically full it's, coverage. It's it's as close to full coverage as you'll get in a bathing suit. Yeah. You know, it's not quite like the stuff they wore back in the 1800s. Yeah, and but it, old, it covers you, you know? down to your ankles. Exactly. Exactly. And so this guy who's a city employee in Dearborn makes an anti-Muslim comment on on somebody's thread about this, Mm -hmm. uh, takes it down pretty quickly. But of course, somebody screenshots it. Mm -hmm. And he said something like she should be a model for Camel Zaras or something like that and and gets gets in trouble for this, loses his job in the city. And now people are like, well, you know, that's pretty harsh. But that was a pretty dumb thing think, to say. people. Yeah, I, I, I understand this. Like, think McFly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, I, I don't understand it. And and so... The model was beautiful, too. I mean, I, I that the first woman that I ever saw wearing one of those full coverage burkinis, mm-hmm. as they call them, was Nigella Lawson, who is no more Muslim than I am, but has this creamy white... Um, you know, English English garden complexion that she want, and she was in Australia, and it's like that is a, that's a place where the sun is like a lethal weapon, you know. And she was just trying to keep her her skin her skin nice and white, and so and this girl in this picture was absolutely lovely, and I don't know what why anybody cares if somebody else covers it's, himself. It's it. I mean, you know what's interesting is that in the Trump era, where this guy has said more offensive things than any probably collectively than any president and he you know so here it is when when you see somebody being fired for that you go oh wait a minute society we still have standards for what you can and can't say at the same time you hear all this other stuff and it's really it's it's a little bit I, i can see where some people are confused because donald trump has lowered the bar and so people are like what yeah. You can't say that kind of stuff. Yeah, you I, can't I think do that. people are sort of losing a little perspective with in the in the Trump era. Uh, just just a tad, just a, li- <laughs> a little bit. Uh, let's 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 uh, move back here to Detroit for just a second. Um, the city's got about a third of its streetlights. Remember, relighting the city of Detroit was a huge accomplishment of of uh, this administration. Big deal. It was a big deal to get this done with these new LEDs. However, the company that supplied most of the West Side streetlights apparently had a defect in their manufacturing process or in the design, one of the two. So a lot of the lights are either out or they're dimming. 
to unacceptable levels. Mm-hmm. And this is a huge number of streetlights. We're talking millions of dollars in potential cost. The city is suing them. Right. The Public Lighting Authority, I should say, is suing them to recoup their costs for the repairs that are going to have to be done. Uh, but now this company, who's also done streetlights in places like Stockton, California, and Berkeley, California, Another bankruptcy. and some other cities that have redone their lights, may be facing a barrage because they're failing all over the place. The city got their lawsuit in. Uh, I, this company may not up. be long for yeah. this world. No. I mean, it's Sounds like, you like want a to be bankruptcy first in line. is about... Yeah. About to happen. Well, and it, and it could. So, I mean, the city could be stuck on the hook for millions of dollars to repair these lights. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, and so, all the other cities, too. There's no way this company is going to be able to absorb that. Well, Unless they have some insurance. Not at once. Then. Yeah. Not yeah, at not once. Not all at once. Really. And, you know, so like I said, they've already been sued by Berkeley. I know Detroit has filed at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but if you're the city of Detroit, does this, if you're a resident of Detroit, do you look at this as. You know, a failure on the part of the administration, or is this just you put your faith in the wrong company, or or do you think residents will care, or are they just going to blame whoever's in charge at the time when the lights go out? I think they'll, they'll I think blame they'll whoever's care. in charge. I, I think they'll certainly care. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Lights what, are I, a hot Who knows issue? what yes. kind of due diligence was done, uh, how the bidding process went for for these lights. Uh, I mean, look, the company may have said, look, we've, we've done in this – work in all these municipalities, and Detroit says, well, good enough for Berkeley, good enough for Stockton, good enough for the city of Detroit. I I think we'd have to know more about what was behind it to whether – to decide whether the city's at fault. It it looks pretty clearly that this is a design failure. I mean, the company has acknowledged as much because Berkeley came out first and said, hey, and they said, yeah, our product is defective. We'll fix them all. They didn't expect them to go bad everywhere, but they may have been planning for it. So, uh, yeah, act now. Yeah. Act now or else, you know, they could be out a bunch of money. That there's, I mean, there is a little irony there. That mm-hmm. you know the city of Detroit could potentially be the victim of a company going bankrupt. As well, I mean, it's so and you remember horrific. what the city was like before the lights came back on? Right. It was just unbelievable. I, I remember mean. driving down Grand River. I used to go visit my father in the in the suburbs, and I would take Grand River all the way up, and there were just blocks and blocks of just in in the middle of winter. It was yep. just so dark. Right. It was it was kind of scary. It just looked so eerie. Right. I mean, my, when we would uh, drive through those areas, my husband would call it, oh, we're entering the haunted forest. You know, <laughs> that was kind of what, what it was like. And it was just like, whoa. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, it was uh, even uh, even on Cass Avenue, right, in, in the Wayne State area. Yeah. And uh, there were blocks and blocks of, of darkness. Well, and, and I mean, you know, it was an impressive thing to get done, but now they're going to, I mean, the, there was different companies that did different parts of the city. And so other, like the east side doesn't seem to be affected by this. Uh, the west side is where most of this is happening, but Not we shall Formica. see. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. This was an interesting sort of story that's, that's bubbling up here. And it's sort of this weird battle between uh, Judge Robert Colombo. Uh, the Wayne County Sheriff's Office and the Detroit Police and a towing company. A company called Nationwide Recovery. We had this on Deadline Detroit. You should take a look at this story because it's really amazing. Uh, Chief, uh, Chief of Police James Craig came out and said, amazing how this worked, but car theft has gone down 31% in the city of Detroit since this one company was banned from doing business in the city of Detroit. <laughs> who, who, who is the owner of that? company. I, I, I've got to look it up. I, That's I will just find so out. outrageous. But it is. So... Well, they're arguing that, well, we didn't have anything to do with the actual thefts, but one of the things that showed up in the lawsuit that the city brought against this company was that you know, one of their employees, or like 700 text messages or something between a guy who was in part of a known car theft ring right. and this guy who happened to be on one of the recovery crews from this towing company. Huh. And so what they're alleging happened 
is that these guys were getting tipped off where they were dumping the stolen cars. They'd steal them. They tip the company off. The company could then tow the car to the yard, leave it there for a few days to rot, and then notify the people whose car was stolen that, oh, by the way, we have your car. It's been here for six days. You owe us this much money. And so they could pad their bottom line. This is what's alleged here. And, And the thing is, they were calling people. Sometimes before the car had even been reported stolen, <laughs> well, which tells you that something's going on. The, 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 I, I think one of the big questions is, what about the Detroit police? I mean, somebody had to know what was going well, on. I mean, you can't you can't Detroit, be that blind. But to Detroit that police many cars. were complaining that they were their investigations into these car thefts were being impeded because a couple guys at the Wayne County Sheriff's Department were the ones that were handling the police side of things after these thefts right. for this towing company. Something something was going so on in the law police, enforcement. You know, Columbus yeah. saying, look, you're impeding an investigation by getting this, you know, having these cars removed before this happens. And so they're arguing yeah. they're arguing that, you know, this was being done before the police even had a chance uh-huh. to deal with it. And and Chief Craig is saying Winky dink? I don't think so. I mean, again, a 31% decline in car theft since this happened. That's insane. And, you know, the, public corruption is a bad thing always, you know, and but towing companies, there's, there's, there's so many scandals that we've had involving towing companies in recent years. I was going to say, it's like, it's like there are certain businesses that you just know are, are dirty right down to the, down to the lug nuts on those trucks. And I think towing might be one of them. I mean, you like to think that that's, that, I mean, it's there are so bad, le- there are legitimate towing. Yeah, there have companies, to be. But there there must are certainly be. crooked ones that oh, yeah. are. I know. Are you know going to the lots before the allotted time? Right. You know, two hour parking or whatever, and they're going in and stealing them. And, you know, I'm sorry. The uh, I'm sorry. The Sopranos is off the air now because I could see an entire <laughs> season arc of on uh, the towing. Christopher yes. gets into the towing or the wire stuff. even. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, it just—it's one of those things, though, that uh, is frustrating. And well, let's let's end with this today because it okay. has not necessarily been a, a very good week uh, or couple of weeks or a couple of months for for Mayor Duggan in terms of yeah. of what's going on. He's uh, under the mag- he's under the microscope right now. The free press is definitely going after him on this relationship uh, between himself, this alleged relationship between himself and Dr. Hassan, mm-hmm. this Make Your Date program, the way the nonprofit has been set up. It's it's a very sort of confusing situation, and of course, then in the middle of all this, his wife files for divorce. Uh, not a good time. I'm no, guessing. I, I like the I, idea I, that we're talking about a, a potential affair here in a, in an organization called Make Your Date. <laughs> Save yeah. it for Monday. Yes, <laughs> yes. seems uh, interesting. There, I I I just wonder. In in, in the end, I mean, I, I think we have to look at how legitimate is it to have use this organization which it seems it is then the question is could there have been a better organization to use i mean she seems to be an expert in in the field there uh this I don't know. To, She's like the expert in the field. Yeah. This is to prevent um, preterm delivery, which people should know, and premature right. births. Well, I mean, even which it, is a real problem in the city. Right. It is a real problem. And we had one of the worst. It was in the world, or the in, in, in the United States. In the Detroit US. situation was rivaling third world third countries, world countries when it come, right. in terms of the sure. rates of, of preterm births. Sure. Right. And you know, when you look at at the what happens when when children are born premature and there's mm-hmm. a lot there's a lot of hurdles that they have to jump over to, to catch up and sometimes they don't mm-hmm. uh, you know my son was eight weeks premature when he was born and and it put 
a lot of things in his way. We were fortunate that we had good health care coverage. Right. And we were able to get him the care that he needed to overcome a lot of this stuff. But it doesn't happen that way for a lot of folks. No, it certainly doesn't. And so the goal is laudable. But at the same time, if, if this was done in any way to, you know, I have to confess, I found, I found that story in the free press so confusing. It was really difficult for me to understand what was the problem here that it was whether it was administered by Wayne State or whether it was registered as a nonprofit somewhere else I just I mean well, I'm really were, having a hard time I, I wrapping think, my head around yeah. what's what potentially what, may what be wrong about are. this yeah, I mean, it's such, other than the fact the, that the issue is, really is did he show favoritism? It doesn't really matter. I mean, they're trying to parse everything into whether it was a nonprofit, whether the money went directly to the nonprofit or it right. was administered by Wayne. And it, it wasn't appears even to be part of Wayne's money State. either. Right. right. And, and I think it's, you know, the issue is whether he showed favoritism or not. And, and in the end, it's like, hey, he happened to know somebody who happened to be an expert in the area who happened to be, you know, potentially having an affair with. But, right. Um, in the end, it's like, I don't know, I have a hard time getting really ex- excited about that. Nobody profited personally by that. It wasn't like she was pocketing. It wasn't like her salary was dependent no. on this money coming in. And so, well, and that's what they're going to look at. But, you know, again, getting people to read the story as it continues on seems to be the goal here. And, and I mean, obviously that, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, that one was a weird, I, I almost wish that, that uh, they would have waited a couple of weeks till they had a couple, little bit more information and could put it in better context. Well, right. I mean, it needed a clear, what we call a nut graph, um, explaining why we should, why, why we, we should, should care. care. Exactly. What, what, what question are you trying to get answered yeah, here? Right. Right. Uh, I mean, did the city lose out on money on this? Did it, I mean, it's, did, it sounds like it was a necessary program for it to, to address a serious right. and issue And did money in get city? steered towards somebody that, you know, the mayor had a relationship with that she should not have gotten? I mean, but that's. Sounds- that's what they're trying to find. But she's the expert. So. I, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the question. I think they're going to be hard-pressed hard to really find something so right. egregious. Uh, but the timing uh, of the of the divorce and all that sort of stuff and the, and the banners with Carmack and everything else now has people wondering. And that just sort of raises the question mark for a lot of folks. So it puts a lot of smoke in the air. I mean, I almost – a very cynical part of me thinks – the only reason for this story is was to introduce her name into the public record because <laughs> most right. of the um, uh, legit news organizations, uh, when they wrote about the Carmack stuff, did not bring her name into it. Mm. But now it's out there. So. All right. And it's no longer an affair once you're separated, I think. Right. I don't know. Maybe is it? You're just a girlfriend. It doesn't I, matter. Well, yeah. At this, <laughs> we don't at this know what's going on. Gets, the status changes. <laughs> there's one. There's gets cleaned up a little bit. You one know? person whose extra curricular activities I don't even want to think about is probably Mayor Doug. But that's okay. Well, we'll end it right <laughs> or there. Or maybe you too. I don't know. We'll yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to know about mine, that's yeah. for sure. Mostly because they're non-existent. <laughs> uh, but that's it. That's the week that was on okay. uh, Deadline right. Detroit. And lots of other stories that were there as well. A couple of columns I, I think people should check out. I mean, uh, Charlie Leduff's got a couple of pieces up there this week that are mm-hmm. that are interesting to me that I think you'll like. And, of course, I'm doing the podcast every day here. You can find it here at Deadline Detroit. And uh, I always like the, the zip, which will be done a little bit later on today and yep. some other things. All right. And, of course, on Monday, we'll be back with the Monday Follies, just like this. So thanks for being here. Alan Langle, Nancy Derringer, appreciate your time. Again, check out DeadlineDetroit.com. Thanks for watching today. Thanks to Michael Lucido for engineering the broadcast. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. One-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news.